joining us this morning at New Life Church. And also, uh, just a reminder, all of our notes that we're going to be talking about today are on our app. You can download our app to follow along with all the notes. You have that at uh, your leisure to scroll through. You can even add your notes on there if you would like to. And uh, man, this has been an exciting weekend, a good weekend, because yesterday was my birthday. Yep. Turned 21 years old yesterday. Nah, that's not true. But uh, tomorrow she treated me to a lovely dinner at McDonald's, and I was even able to supersize it. So it was a good, it was a good dinner. Nah, but we had some good Italian food last night. It was a, it was a good day. And then Camden, she had a piano recital, so we got to go to that, and she did a great job. She's really, she just started playing the piano last year, and she is really, really, really advanced in piano, and she's doing a great job. She might be up here one day playing the keys real soon. Real soon. <laughs> but, uh, but man, I'm excited to, uh, to continue the series. We're in a new series called It Can Happen to You. Y'all raise your hand, look at your neighbor, and say, it can happen to you. It can happen to you. And this whole series is dedicated to the topic of delusion. We're talking about delusion, things that keep you in a state of delusion. And the enemy would love nothing more than to keep you in a place of delusion. And this message that I want to share today is, I've been having this message for a while, I've been excited to share, and I feel like this probably is the most important, important message in this series that we're talking about. And the title of it, if you're taking notes, is called, Can You Handle the Truth? Can you handle the truth? Because the truth is, the enemy wants to do everything that he can to keep you in a state of delusion all the way to keep you from the truth. He wants you in delusion because he doesn't want you to walk in truth. And I love our mission statement. You saw it on the video that we played earlier. We're united by truth. What does that mean? We're united by the truth of the word of God. You know, it's easy to get in debates with people, but you need a mediator to come between and says, this is what is truth. And the mediator for us is the Bible. The mediator, so whenever there's a disagreement or a misunderstanding, you can always go to the word and say, what does the word say about this situation? Because the word is truth. And we all come together from all different walks of life, all different backgrounds, all different ages, all different generations, all because we're united by the truth of the word of God. Everybody's here because they want to hear the truth about Jesus. That's why we, and it unites us and it brings us together. But guess what? Just like it unites us, the enemy wants to divide us. He doesn't want you to walk in truth. He wants you to walk in delusion. He wants, to walk, he wants you to walk in confusion. He wants you to walk in, in, in isolation and not connected to other believers that, that can encourage you. Why? Because he doesn't want you to walk in truth. Because he knows that if, he can get, if you can walk in truth, then you can defeat his attacks. If you can walk in truth, then you can live a life that you never thought that you could ever live before. All because your eyes are open to the truth. And so that's what we're going to focus in on today, is we're going to focus on truth. Can you handle the truth? And let's just, let's just open up in a word of prayer, and then we'll, we'll go a little bit further. Holy Spirit, thank you for your truth. Your truth reveals all things, Lord God, to us. And I pray that today by the Spirit that you open up our hearts to receive the truth, that it will fall on good ground today. I bind any hindrances and distractions of the enemy, but open up our hearts to receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So even before we get started and, and we go a little bit deeper, this key verse, I feel like, 
it's important for us to know that before we even go further, we have to always agree on this one thing before we go forward. Because if we don't agree on this one thing before we go forward, you're going to find yourself upset for about what I say because you don't want to accept the truth. But in John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5, it says, In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. It can never extinguish it. The truth. So before we move forward, we have to come to the agreement that this, the word of God is the end all and be all. When it comes to the word of God, there's nothing above it. There's nothing that takes its place. And you know what? Everybody in here, raise your hand again. It can happen to you. Everybody has life experiences. Guess what? Your life experiences are real. Everybody has opinions. Everybody has feelings. Everybody has emotions. Your life experiences has taught you a pattern of life that this is just how life is because based upon your life experiences, you formed what you or your perception of what you think life is. But guess what? The enemy can use that to deceive you from the truth. And even above that, we have to say, despite my life experiences, despite what life has taught me, despite all my feelings and emotions, all those things, they surrender to the word of God. All those things, they bow down to the word of God. No matter what I feel on the inside, no matter what my emotions tell me, all those things, I have to surrender those to the word of God because the word of God is the truth. It's uh, everything that I feel, your feelings and emotions can deceive you. They can tell you one thing, oh, these emotions are true. These emotions are real. These feelings are real. And they may feel real, but guess what? But if it contradicts the word of God, then they're not real. It's the enemy trying to deceive you. So before we move forward, we have to understand, despite my life experiences, despite what I've gone through or what I think or feel, I subject them and I surrender them to the word of God. The word of God, I, I have opinions and thoughts on everything, but guess what? They don't matter. I've come to realize my thoughts and opinions, in the end, they don't matter at all if, it's not in the, if, it, not, if it doesn't align with the word of God. So we have to decide right now before we move forward in the message, is the word of God the truth or not? Because if it's the truth, then we should apply it. But the problem is, it's hard to apply the truth because so many people say, oh, just tell it to me straight. I want the truth. Keep it real with me. But then when you keep it real with them, you tell them the truth, they don't like that. They get upset. Oh, don't tell me the truth. Oh, uh, why, are you talking to me? That's no, uh -uh. Why? Because it, it goes against your emotions because you can't handle the truth. You say you want the truth, but you don't. But the word, I can't tell you how many times I've believed something or thought something, and then I get in the word of God, and then it's, that's you right there. And it's like, ooh, like a dagger to my, to my soul. Like, ow, thank God. Why are you messing with me? Why are you messing with my character? Why, why are you doing all these things? Why? Because it's the truth, and the truth, it sets us free. Because the enemy tries to keep you bound in a state of what? Delusion to keep you all from the truth. But we have to establish that the word of God is true. And if this is a hard reality for you to follow, say, but what about all the things that I've experienced in life? 
How, how do I believe everything in the word is true? If the, if the word says that they parted the, the God parted the Red Seas and, they, and they, the Israelites walked through it, then guess what? I believe it. If Jonah was in the belly of a great fish, I don't know how it happened. I don't know how he was breathing underwater. I don't even know if he was underwater. I don't know if the, the fish was hovering. I don't know how all that happened. But guess what? All I know is if it's in the word, I believe it. It's true. It happened. If, it, Jesus, if Jesus raised from the dead in three days, then guess what? I believe it. And if it says the word was at the beginning with God, then guess what? I believe it. I don't say, well, I don't know about this. I believe this happened, but no, 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 no. All of it. All of it. So we have to come to that agreement that all of the word is true. Amen. Amen. Psalms chapter 25, verse 5. So if you're having a hard time saying, I just have a hard time believing that the word is true, this verse is for you. Psalms 25, verse 5. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. If you condition yourself to live in a state of delusion, you need the Holy Spirit to help you lead you, to help lead you in truth. Sometimes we get caught in a state where I don't know what to do. I don't know what to believe. That's when you have to trust in God that he will lead you in truth. And that takes, some, for some people it takes a little process. I know for me when I first got saved, it was a lot of things I had to get, just the way my, the world can form my mind and the way that I thought. It was a lot of things that I had to, to change that I used to believe and I used to feel strongly and passionately about but I needed to allow the Holy Spirit to change the way that I thought so that I could walk in truth and that he could break the delusions that I was walking in. Because I had, a, like I said, everybody's got opinions. Everybody's got views on everything. All you got to do is get on social media to figure that out. They debating on there right now, arguing right now. On Sunday morning, while people should be in church, they arguing about whatever. Because everybody has opinions and views on everything. But we have to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in truth. And guess what? It doesn't matter how long you've been saved. It doesn't matter how many scriptures you know and you can quote. For the rest of your life, you need the Holy Spirit to lead you in truth. Because guess what? It can happen to you and you can be deceived just like that. Just like that. You're walking with the Lord. You're quoting scriptures. You're going to prayer meetings. You're doing all these things. But just like that, you can be deceived. That's why you need the Holy Spirit to always and continually help you to walk in truth. Because you can have one conversation with somebody else that they can say something and you're like, huh, I never thought about it that way. Oh, that's open door for uh, deception. And now guess what? You're out of truth. Because that's the enemy's plan. He wants to keep you stuck in delusion. So the main text that we're going to use today for the rest of the passage, just before we get to the main text, this is the part uh, of Jesus' life where Judas just betrayed him. So he just betrayed him to the Jewish leaders. They've arrested him, and now they bought him in front of Pilate to be judged. And in Luke chapter 23, verse 13, we're going to be, this is going to be the rest of the passage. We're going to be here uh, for the rest of our time together. Then Pilate called together the leading priests and other religious leaders, along with the people, and he announced the ver his verdict. You brought this man to me, accusing him of leading a revolt. I have examined him thoroughly on this point in your presence and find him innocent. Herod came to the same conclusion and sent him back to us. Nothing this man has done calls to, for the death penalty. Nothing this man has done calls for the death penalty. Nothing. So I will have him flogged and then I will release him to you. Then a mighty roar rose from the crowd. 
And with one voice, they shouted, kill him and release Barabbas to us. Barabbas was a prison, in prison and part of taking an insurrection in Jerusalem against the government and for murder. So Barabbas is a murderer. Pilate argued with them because he wanted to release them, release Jesus. To, I'm sorry, because he wanted to release Jesus. Verse, uh, verse 21. But they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. For the third time he demanded, why? What crime has he committed? I have found no reason to sentence him to death. So I will have him flogged and then I'll release him. But the mob shouted louder and louder, demanding that Jesus be crucified and that their voices prevailed. So Pilate sentenced Jesus to die as they demanded. As they, were, as they had requested, he released Barabbas, the man in prison for insurrection and murder. But he turned Jesus over to them as they wished. So I know there was a lot that we talked about just right now. We just read, but we're going to go through all of this. So in the beginning, the religious leaders, they already had, they already made up in their mind who they thought Jesus was. And when Jesus came on the scene, they did not like him at all. They did not like that when they were confronted by Jesus, it made them have to examine their own hearts. When Jesus came on the scene, it made them examine, have to examine their ways. It made them have to examine their lifestyle. And you know what they said? We got to kill this dude. We got to kill him. Because the only way to get rid of him is to kill him. Because the crowds are following him and it's popular. He's getting more popular as days go by. So we can't just, we can't just tell him to be quiet because that doesn't work. We got to kill him. All because Jesus represents the truth. And when they were confronted with the truth, they couldn't handle it. They couldn't handle it. They couldn't handle the truth so bad they said, we need to kill this man. Pilate and Herod, they said that I find this man innocent. There's nothing that he's done to deserve death. But it says the crowds grew louder and louder. Kill him, kill him. So what does this mean? That means that the religious leaders had so much influence over society that they dictated to the, to the rulers of the land what should be done. Doesn't that kind of sound like the times we live in now? Doesn't that sound like the crowds get louder and louder and government makes decisions based upon what, oh, well, we want to, we need our voters, so we got to make these decisions. Sounds like the times we live in now. But the crowds, they grew louder and louder and they couldn't handle it. Society doesn't care about peaceful protest or discussion. They want death to anything that opposes what they feel. They want death to anything that opposes their rights. Don't tell me who I should be. Death to you if you think I should be otherwise. Don't tell me who I should marry. Death to you if you come otherwise. Don't tell me I can't have an abortion. Death to you if you come against that. What is that? Anything that the society says that, that they feel and you come against it, they want to kill you. They want to, not make, and you say, well, that's kind of harsh, but it's true. They're trying to kill anything. They're trying to silence any voice that opposes anything that society deems is true. But it's not true. We know it's all of a state of delusion. But we have to come to a place and say, who do we live for, Jesus or society? Who do we live for? You know, it's easier to tell someone to do what you want, be who you want, live how you want. It's easier to tell someone that than to say, what does the truth of the word of God say about this? Because now you're confronted with what you feel. Now you're confronted with your emotions. 
But this is what my life experiences have said. This is, now you confront it with the truth. And when you confront it with the truth, you don't like that. So that's why society is in a place where just do whatever you want, because that's easier. I just want to be liked. And now they've turned love. If you oppose me, now you're full of hate. Oh, oh, you contradict the way that I want to live? you full of hate. Christians, they just, full of, they just hateful people that don't love anybody. That's not true. We live according to the word of God. And just because you don't live by the word of God, now I'm a hater. That's not true. It's delusion. And the enemy has a, has a he's smart, y'all. And I don't want to give him more credit than what he deserves, but he's scheming to steal, kill, and destroy. And one of his weapons he uses is a delusion because he wants to keep you from the truth. So the first point tonight is, or this morning is, who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? Because Pilate didn't know anything about Jesus. All he knew was what the religious leaders told him. So all his, and he asked Jesus questions, and we know Jesus didn't respond to him because Jesus knew he could have responded to him and got out of it, but that wasn't why he was called. But everything that Herod, Herod and Pilate knew about Jesus was what the religious leaders told them. And so when he began to question Jesus and he began to pick, put the puzzle together, he realized this man hadn't done anything wrong. He hadn't done anything wrong. But the crowds grew louder. Kill him. Kill him. Crucify him. And Herod is sitting there confused. And then and in some interpretations, it says that Pilate's wife came to him and said, please leave this innocent man alone. I had a dream about him last night. He's innocent. So the truth was standing in front of him all along, and Pilate was like, man, I'm confused. And then some, in some translation, it says that right after this, Herod went back into his quarters or his chambers to deliberate. And what I feel like that represents is, is a place of comfort. Herod went back to his chambers or, or his quarters, a place of comfort. Because when you get confronted with the truth, the thing you want to do is run back to a place of comfort that keeps you from the truth. Anything that brings you comfort, anything that causes, oh, I don't want to think about this, so I need to run back to my comfort. And we run to comfort instead of truth. It's like, ooh, I'm confronted with too many things today. This is too much. I, I, I need something. I need, I, need, I need a drink or I need a smoke or I need, I need to do something just to, I can't handle all this truth today. And you run to comfort. We've all done it. It can happen to you. <laughs> happen to me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. It happened to me. But we always want comfort when you're confronted with the truth because comfort feels better than the truth. Herod didn't know what to do. The crowd's going against him. Man, they trying to, I don't know what to do. So he needed comfort. I'm going back to my chambers. I need to just chill out for a second. Let me collect my thoughts. But then he gave into the pressure and he said, I'll give you what you want. But the question is, who do you think, who do you say Jesus is? Is your experience with Jesus based upon what somebody else said or that you have a firsthand account of who he is and living in a relationship with him? Because what I've realized and what I've come to understand is your testimony is the greatest weapon against the enemy. The things that Jesus has walked you through and brought you through, no one can lie to you and say that didn't happen. Why? Because that's your testimony. Jesus brought you through those things. And you can always go back and you can tell the enemy when he tries to come at you with their life, Jesus doesn't care about you. Yeah, but why did he bring me through this? Why did he set me free from this? Why? That's your testimony. That's your greatest weapon. 
And my experience with Jesus should be greater now than it was when I first got saved. So what that means is I'm constantly finding new ways to grow deeper in my relationship with him. I'm constantly trying to discover how can I know him in a greater way. And the more that I learn to know him in a greater way, guess what? My revelation and my understanding of who he is, it grows stronger and stronger. And now my relationship with him is not born. Sometimes your relationship with the Lord can get born is because you stop discovering him. You stop discovering him in new ways of truth. It's just like, oh, I know Jesus. I've been saved for a while. You stop reading your Bible. Oh, I know Jesus. I'm cool with him. You stop praying. And then now you realize, oh, my relationship with the Lord is stale. It's stagnant. I don't feel anything anymore. Worship songs don't mean nothing to me. That scripture don't hit me anymore like it used to. Why? Because you stopped discovering Jesus. You just got to a point where you're like, oh, I'm good now. He turned my situation around. And that's the sad part. Sometimes you come to Jesus because you're in a low place. He turns your situation around, and then you go back to doing things you used to do. Going back to comfort. Oh, I'm in a good place now. I don't need him anymore. And we stop pursuing truth. And now we get confronted with other things that happen, and now we, we, we're confused. And now you're back in a state of delusion where you run from the truth. But that's what, who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say what Jesus is? Your relationship with him should always be on fire. It should always be passionate. You should always look for ways to discover, how can I know you more today, Jesus? How can I grow in my understanding of you more today? Because the more truth you have on the inside of you, the easier it is to, to combat the attacks and the lies of the enemy. Because you can always go back, like I said, to say, he brought me through this. He revealed his truth through me through his word today, devil. I just read this, so don't come at me with these lies. And it's easy to combat him when you have the truth on the inside of you. That's the first thing. Who do you say Jesus is? Second thing is this. Delusion wants you blinded from the truth. That's what we're all talking about. Delusion wants you blinded from the truth. People are so confused because they no longer recognize truth when they see it or hear it. You hear the truth? Your truth can't be truth if it's a lie. We can't allow society to dictate or redefine what truth is. Because the, the, the quote now is, oh, just live your truth. Just live your truth. This is my truth. Well, your truth can't be truth if it's a lie. It's a lie. But that's what the world wants you to think. Oh, just live your truth. This is my truth. Let me tell my story. Everybody has a story. Everybody has walked through some difficult things. Like we mentioned before, everybody has. We could go around the room and say, what have you walked through in your life? Oh, let me tell you. And we can all cry together. Because I'm pretty sure we've been through some terrible things. All of us have. And those things are reality, and I'm make, not making light of them. But what I am saying is this, is that at some point, we have to say, you know what? Despite of all the things that I've walked through, if I want to surrender my life to Jesus and I want to pursue him, I have to lay all those things down, and I have to say, I'm going to walk in the truth now. Because the truth is, those things happened because the enemy was trying to destroy me. Those things didn't happen because God didn't love me. Because the enemy would try to get you to think that all those bad things that you walked through is because God doesn't love you. That's a lie. And he tries to keep people in that state of delusion to say, oh, you walked through all this because God doesn't love you. Because if God loved you, he wouldn't let you walk through that. Because if God loved you, why do you feel like this? God's not real. Why, is it, why do you have these thoughts? Why do you, why do you have these things? Why, why are you in so much pain? Why are you struggling so much? Why you, why you have turmoil? Why are you depressed? Because God doesn't love you. And he's trying to keep you in a state of delusion so you don't walk in the truth. 
That's what he's trying to do. He's scheming on all of us. He's scheming up a way right now to get you. As you're hearing what I'm saying, he's scheming up a way so as soon as you walk out those doors, don't believe what he said. He's scheming right now, and some of you, he's scheming right now, and you're listening to him. And then the thoughts are coming in your mind, and you're trying to, no, nah, I don't, I mean, I hear what he's saying, but I don't know. He's scheming. He's going to scheme to try to get you to think what I'm saying is not true. Don't, don't listen. Don't, don't listen to him. He don't know what he's talking about. You don't have to believe all that. It's not that deep. It's not that serious. He's going to, he's scheming. He's scheming. If you don't fight for truth, you can get to the point where it's easier to just to give in to delusion and the lies of the enemy, all because you're tired of being confronted by the truth and you don't want to embrace it. Pilate got to the point where he was so tired of being confronted that he just said, you know what, just give them what they want. Because standing in front of Jesus, an innocent man, and standing in front of the truth, he couldn't handle it to the point where he said, you know what, I'm just going to give them to the crowds. Just give them what they want. Just give, just, I'm tired, I don't, this is uncomfortable, I don't like feeling like this, I'm going to just give them what they want. Just give them what they want. Delusion will always keep you from walking in truth, and the shouts get louder and louder to the point where you want to die, you want anything to die that confronts you with truth because you can't embrace it. Just like the crowds. When the crowds get louder and louder or the voices get louder and louder in your mind, you say, you know what, I can't handle this no more, I'm going to just give in to the thoughts and just forget the truth. It's easier just to give in than to fight. It's easier just to give in than just to fight the truth. It's easier to give in to the thoughts of the enemy than to say, you know, the truth is I don't need to be in this relationship, but I'm going to get out of it. No, it's easier just to stay in it and then to be confronted with the truth. I'm going to just give in. This addiction that I have, you know, it's easier. I'm tired of fighting. I'm, I'm just giving in to it. And now, you, why? Because you can't handle the truth. Because the truth, can, it makes you confront things. We don't like confrontation. Some people say they do. You don't really like confrontation. Not when it comes to the truth. None of us do, because for your soul, for your heart, it doesn't feel good. Because you're like, oh, now I got to make some changes in my character. Now I got to make some changes in my attitude. Now I got to make some changes in the things that I do and the places that I go and the people that I hang out with and associate with. Now I got to make some changes. If you get confronted with that enough, eventually you're going to do one or two things. You're going to run to it, or you're going to say, you know what, this is too much. I can't handle all this. I can't, I can't, ooh, this is too much. Especially in your early walk, that's where the enemy tries to get you the most. When you when you just on fire and you're passionate, you're pursuing the Lord, boy, he'll try to throw everything at you, at you that he can to try to get you off course. But it don't stop. He still does it when you get, if you save 20, 30 years. It just comes in different forms. He'll try to get you out. But you can't allow the delusion. It just wants to keep you blinded from the truth. And a way that he keeps us blinded from the truth is secrecy. Secrecy. Secret lives is a breeding ground for the enemy. Anything that you keep in secret eventually will come to light. At some point, whether it's on this earth or in the life to come, it's going to come to light. And when you live in a place of secrecy and you have secret lives, guess what? That turmoil on the inside of you, it eats at you. You think you're having fun, but you're really not. You think, oh, this is cool. I love this relationship, but it's eating at you. 
Every day you're in that relationship, you're like, man, I know I don't need to be in this relationship, but I can't let anybody know. And you stay in secrecy. This addiction that I have, I can't let anybody know what I'm doing. And you stay in that place of secrecy, and it eats you up on the inside. And anything that reminds you of the truth, you run from it. And you stay away from it. You say, why do people stop coming to church? Because they, they, they're doing, they live in secret lives, and they don't want to be confronted with the truth. Because if I come to church, I'm going to be confronted with the truth, and I'm going to feel bad. And I don't want to feel bad for what I'm doing, because I like what I'm doing. But I know what I like what I'm doing, but it still makes me feel bad. Isn't that crazy? The thing that you think feel good makes you feel bad when you do it. That's what happened to me. I got tired of living my life so bad it was like I was doing the things that I was doing because I needed comfort and I needed to escape and I felt like, well, this makes me happy. But the more I did it, the more depressed I got. And the more disgusted I got with myself, like, wow, I keep doing these things. But I guess I keep doing it because I don't know what else to do. But the more I did it, the more frustrated I got with my own life. To the point I realized and said, you know what, this is not me. Like, this is not me. Like, what am I doing? Like, this life that I'm living, this is not me. And then that's when I began to pursue the Lord and I surrendered my life to him. But for a while, I was in that cycle of doing things that I knew, well, to me, I thought it was bringing comfort, but it didn't. It just brought me, it just made me feel worse. But I couldn't stop because I, I didn't, I, when I go to church, this, was a, this is true. When I would go to church and the pastor would get to the end of the message for the altar call, my heart would beat out of my chest because I knew I needed to get saved. But pride on the inside of me kept me from going down there to get saved, from raising my hand and saying, I need to surrender. And it went on for years. And thank God he saved me before I ended, like something bad happened in my life was taken from me early. But you could get caught in that state of delusion like I was that I could just break free anytime I want to. It's, because you know, when you're young, oh, I'm going to just have fun and live like I want to. And when I get older, then I'll get saved. That's what I used to think. But not really, how you know you're going to live, live long enough? You don't know. But delusion wants to keep you blinded from the truth. Philippians 2, verse 14 through 16 says, Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God. Shining like, bright, shining like bright lights in the world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of God, to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. That's a good verse right there. I run this race so that my life, my work would not be useless. And what does this mean, this verse? It doesn't mean that you have a perfect life. It doesn't mean that you're not perfect. It just means that I'm running this race to live, to be pleasing to God. And everything that I do, I want God to be pleased with my work. Will I miss the mark sometime? But I know my heart's desire is to be pleasing to God, and it keeps me on track. It's not, it's, God is not looking for perfection. He's looking at your heart. What, what, is your, what is your heart's intent? What is your heart's desire? Do you long for me? Do you desire to be with me? And we do that, guess what? That verse we just read, you live it out. And at the end of your life, you'll say, I have no regrets. I live my life the fullest for the Lord because he has my heart's desire. We're called to be the salt and light of this world, and we're called to walk in truth. The reason that a lot of people don't like being or going to church is they say, well, Christians are hypocrites. 
It's because you have so many people professing to be Christians, but they don't live the lifestyle that backs that. We're called to be salt and light of the world. That means that we're set apart. We're different. It's something peculiar about it. You ever walk somewhere and someone say, man, there's something different about you. Yeah, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And that's not bragging, but what you, what, what's different is Jesus. Because you, you hadn't really encountered that with a lot of people in the world. It was so funny yesterday when tomorrow and I were walking out of dinner, we got confronted. Not confronted, but there was a wedding party at the place we were at. It was like a, a, the, the wedding reception would come out, the bride and group were coming, and this one girl came running up to us, oh my gosh, you guys have to come into celebration with us. And she was drunk. It was like, it was, it was obvious she was drunk. And she was like, you have to come celebrate with us. The bride and group will come out, here's some little, whatever the little things were that you was waving. Come, come be in the line with us. And we're standing there like, I don't know none of these people. We met the bride and groom's parents. They were like, we live in, in Mississippi. You should come down and visit us and stay with us. We got room in our, and they were saying all these things. And they were so friendly to us. And they were looking like, what, what's different about y'all? What, what's it was Jesus. It, it was something different because it was Jesus. And when Jesus lives on the side of you, your lifestyle should be different. It should be easy to identify, oh, that's a Christian. You know, when I, when I was in college, I played baseball, and for two years, I was not saved. Two years, I, the other two years, I was saved. And it was a clear distinction between the two years that I wasn't saved and I was saved. And when I was saved, my teammates would find stuff, and they were like, oh, we can't ask Mario to go there because we know he's not going to come. But before then, I would have been all in the mix. But after I got saved, they realized, well, his life is different. It's something different about him now, so we're not even going to invite him to these things anymore. Because it was a clear separation in my lifestyle. There should be a clear separation in your lifestyle when you start following Jesus. Like, I don't go to places that I used to go anymore. Why? Because I'm trying to live a life pleasing to Jesus. I'm not trying to be sucked into delusion and to think I can break free in any way that I can. Because you can get caught back in the trap just like that. So delusion wants to keep you from the truth. And the third thing is this, and this is a big one. Don't release Barabbas. Don't release Barabbas. The crowd shouted louder and louder, give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. Give. This man was against the government. He tried to overturn the government and was a murderer. So out of the choice between him and the truth, which is Jesus, they said, give us that guy, the murderer. That's who we want. That's who we want to associate with. That's who we want in our society. Give us the murderer. The truth, we don't want that. Let's just throw all that away so we don't have to be confronted with that. Give us the murderer. How does that relate to us? In every area of your life that you push away and you reject the truth, you release a Barabbas in your life. In every area you reject the truth, you release a Barabbas in your life. Why is society in the way that it is now? Why is there so much wickedness? Why is there much so perversion? Why is there so much ungodliness in our society? Because they keep pushing away Jesus, and then in return, they keep releasing Barabbases. Every time you push away the truth, you give the enemy permission to release every demonic spirit on you that he wants to. You openly give him permission to do that because you reject the truth. They couldn't handle the truth so much that they said, give us the murderer. Give us that guy, because they couldn't handle the truth. They couldn't handle it. 
And when we can't confront the truth and we can't handle the truth, guess what? We give the enemy permission to release all types of demonic attacks in our life. And we get caught in those cycles. Why can't I break free from this? Because you rejected the truth. Why do I keep going through this? Because you hadn't applied the truth. And immediately when you bring order by truth, guess what? The enemy has to flee. He has to flee because he can't handle the truth. He can't stand the truth. He don't want no parts of the truth. But the more that you reject the truth, guess what? You give him open doors to come on in. Let me give you a little bit of hate. You don't, you don't walk at you? Okay, let me give you a little bit of pride. Let me, let me give you a little bit of unforgiveness. And you keep opening the door for him to release all types of things in your life. And you realize, why can't I get free? Why am I so frustrated? Because you rejected the truth. You keep pushing it away. We don't want the truth. We don't want Jesus. We want Barabbas. Don't release Barabbas. Keep him where he is, locked up. Keep it locked up. Enemy, I don't want anything that you have to offer. Thank you for the offer, but deal, no deal. <laughs> like that show. No deal. We don't want that deal. We want the truth. Yeah. I don't want Barabbas. I'm tired of Barabbas coming in my life. Yeah. I want the truth. I want to walk in truth. Yeah. I want to walk in victory. Yeah. And when you walk in truth, guess what? You walk in victory. Yeah. You walk in truth, you walk in victory. Is it easy? I'm not saying that it's easy, but I'm saying it's worth it. It's way worth it walking in truth than it is to walk in depression, to walk in confusion, to walk in, in all those things that the enemy wants to throw with you and to keep you in a state of delusion because he doesn't want you to walk in the truth. The truth, it sets us free. It sets you free. It releases so many things inside of you. This is how great the truth is. I'm going to talk more about this next week too, but when Jesus confronted the woman at the well, he said, go back and get your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. He said, that's right, you've had five. And the one you're living with now is not even your husband. That's all he said. But what did she say? She ran back to the town and said, come meet a man that told me everything that I ever did. All he did was say, confronted her about one issue. But because he brought truth to her life, it broke all the delusion in her life, and it opened up a world of truth to her that she didn't ever experience before. That's the power of the truth. It sets you free. One encounter on one issue of her life brought a whole world of freedom to her that she never experienced before. The truth, that's the power of the truth. When you walk, it unlocks everything in your life. You say, oh my goodness, I didn't know the world was like this. Yeah, now because you're walking in truth. But you've been walking in delusion. And the enemy wants to keep you in delusion. He don't want you walking in truth. Y'all catch what I'm saying? Yeah. The truth. Can you handle the truth? God wants all of us to walk in truth. And there's a peace that comes when you receive the truth. You can't meet, I'm telling you that I can I don't know what she felt, but I know she felt peace in that moment. Ooh, I feel so good. I need to go tell, she told the whole town. <laughs> she didn't just tell one person. This lady went and told the whole town. She has some peace. <laughs> I'm free. <laughs> this truth and set me free, y'all. She went back, and the whole town came, and they came to see Jesus. God, that's how God wants to use you. He wants to set you free so you can go out and tell others about what he's done so they can experience the same thing. You say, what's my life's purpose? That's it. 
allow Jesus to set you free, go tell others what he's done so they can experience the same thing. What am I doing right now? I'm sharing to you what happened to me so it can happen to you so you can tell somebody else so it can happen to them. It's the truth. That's your, what's my life purpose? That's it, in a nutshell. Now, there's more details to it, but that's, that's pretty much it. Come here, a man that told me everything that I ever did, but it was one thing he told her, and it unlocked her whole life. Because truth sets you free. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, we thank you for this time that we had this morning. I thank you, Lord, that our eyes are open to the truth that the blinders, that the deception of the enemy, Lord God, that it will no longer prevail, that it will no longer ring in our thoughts, Lord God, the state of delusion, that we're free from delusion. Just lift your hands and just begin to ask the Lord, Lord, free me from delusion. Free me from areas that I hadn't received the truth, that I refused and rejected to walk in truth. I pray right now that you point out those areas by the Holy Spirit, Lord God, that we may find truth, that we may find freedom in your presence. Thank you that truth is coming to our hearts. Thank you that truth is coming right now, Lord God, that is setting us free, setting us free in every area of our life, setting us free from the lies and the schemes of the enemy. I rebuke deception right now in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord God, that we're coming to walk in truth. I bind every lie of the enemy that will try to come against what was spoken today. And I pray right now that we receive it and it falls on good ground. Then it produces a life of right living. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. I want to give one final invitation, and that's if you realize that, listen to this message, I'm not walking in truth at all. I'm not walking in relationship with God. I'm, I, I, I know I should, but I know I'm not. But I want to give you an opportunity right now to come into a right relationship with Jesus. I'm not going to beg you. I'm not going to plead with you because I believe that the Holy Spirit is pulling on your heart and you know right now. So if you're in this room or you're watching online and you say, I want to come in right relationship with God. I want to be in right relationship with him. I want to surrender my life to him. With no one looking around, just lift your hands. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You online, you can do the same thing. I know no, no one's in the room, but just lift your hand and just receive Jesus in this moment. I'm just going to ask everyone just to place their hand over their heart and just repeat this after me. Say, Holy Spirit, thank you for forgiving me. And I thank you that in this moment, I am free, that I am forgiven, and that I am saved. I surrender my life to you, Jesus, and lay everything down. I promise that I will follow you and serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, y'all give the Lord a hand clap of praise. For those that made a decision to follow Christ, if you're online and you made that decision uh, in the comment section, let us know. We'd love to hear what God did in your heart in that moment. But if you're in the uh, sanctuary and the seat back in front of you, there's a card that says, I made a decision. Fill that out. You can drop it in on the offering bucket. We'd love to connect with you throughout the week to hear what God did in your heart. But let's give it up one more time for those that made a decision to follow Christ. Amen. Well, that was week two of It Could Happen to You. Can you handle the truth? And next week, we're just going to go a little bit deeper. We're going to go a little bit deeper next week, and I'm excited about the message next week. We're just going to go deeper and deeper each week. But right now, this is the moment where, where we give. Uh, if you're watching online and you want to give, there's a couple ways you can do that. You can download our app. 
uh, there's a give tab on our app. You can go, go to our website, which is newlifechurchmobile.org. On the homepage, there's a give tab. You can give there or you can mail in a check or money order. But let's gonna pray for the tithe and then you guys are dismissed from our online audience. Lord, we thank you for the tithe that's coming in today. I thank you that you're blessing each and every person that gives, Lord God. I thank you for the generosity of the hearts of your people. I pray that you bless their lives, bless their finances. Thank you for promotions and raises and increase in their lives. I thank you, Lord God, that you meet all of their needs. And we thank you that you bless this tithe that's coming in today. We give it to you. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for tuning in with us online today. We love to invite you to church next week at 10 a.m. Be in the building with us for week three. We love to worship with you. And also, we have prayer this Wednesday at 630. We love you guys. Y'all have a great rest of the day. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, let's give God a hand clap of praise again. And if you came prepared to give, I'll give you time to start preparing your offerings. But just to give you a few um, announcements really quick. So next Sunday is our baptism.